Multicolored lights and sounds A world of adventure and heroes galore It's truly outrageous when we yell Thundercats ho Autobots roll out and yell Yo-Jo Both feet and legs and do the Mario Get into a Care Bear stare and go-go gadget ears Excuse me princess, it's time for Totally Radical, Totally Radical, Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast! Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome back to an all new episode of the Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. This is the show that takes a deep dive into the world of 80s cartoons and just all of the glorious insanity there is. My name is Randy, I am your host on this journey, and uh, this week we're flying solo, just things kind of uh, unfortunately came together a little last minute here for our recording this week, so I'm going to do a solo episode, but that's okay. Uh, Sometimes these solo episodes turn out pretty good and uh we're going to do a top five list this week, um, as I tend to do when I'm flying solo. And we'll get into the topic of our uh, list here in just a moment. But we, first, we've got to do just the normal housekeeping. Of course, i got to let you know that Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast is a production of Geek World Order. Go to geekworldorder.com and check out all the latest and greatest geeky media and content coming your way. Uh, we curate that content so that Everyone can enjoy life and enjoy great geeky content, and uh, that's what we're doing nowadays, man. Just really trying to really give back to the community and just give something y'all can enjoy and just have some good times because we know things are crazy right now, and we're just trying to give back. Uh, of course, you can catch us on social media, uh, Facebook, Tw- Geek World Order, and Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. Both have their own pages Check those out. Give us the old like. Of course, share all the content from those pages. Twitter and Instagram, both at Geek World Order. And of course, you can catch us on all of the major podcast provider platforms. We are on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, if you can find us, please give us a like. Subscribe, of course. Get those episodes every Thursday when they are released course give us a review that five star anything you can do to really help grow the podcast spread word of mouth it's all just that's how podcasts grow and thrive in this economy in this world we're living in word of mouth is the best way to promote a podcast so please uh, if you can just give us that like and support uh so today as I said, we're doing a top five list. And this week, we're going to the dark side of the force. No, we're not going to a uh, world in a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But we are talking about villains. That's right, folks. This week, I'm going to talk about my top five 80s cartoon villains. And, man, villains are definitely the backbone of a show of course anytime you want to learn lessons and morals uh you gotta have a good villain a good strong villain to get their comeuppance be defeated so that our heroes um can achieve a goal um sometimes we get these one-off characters introduced so that 
they can learn a lesson and we can relay that lesson to the audience. And of course, things have to go wrong before they go right. And in our time of need, when our heroes finally conquer all, they've got to conquer a villain. So that's what we're going to talk about this week. We are going to talk about some of those absolutely memorable villains. And so let's go ahead and get started. Number five on my list is Big Boss from Cops. And as I've gone into this series, this has been... I mean, the series, first of all, is one of those shows that I have really been digging. Just the more I've gotten into it, the concept of the show has been incredible. It's been a fun ride every episode we've been on so far. And of the villains, Big Boss is very impressive. Obviously, he's the leader of the crime syndicates in um, Empire City. He has these gorgeous, immaculate, you know, high-rise offices and... And somehow the cops can't bring him in. You know, he's got these business endeavors, and he's just smart enough to keep getting away from them all the time. And really, there are some subtle details in kind of the portrayal and some of the animation that really makes you think this guy has seen some things, he's done some things. Probably one of the biggest things I've noticed is that, and this was brought up um in one episode by Phil that I hadn't noticed initially, but on the coat that he wears, his white suit coat, he doesn't have normal buttons on his jacket. His buttons are cop badges. So that kind of led us to believe that this dude really is like sort of the king of crime for this city. Like he's straight up you know, if our theories are correct, he has straight up murdered cops and taken their badges as trophies. Like, I can definitely see Bulletproof and his team wanting to bring this guy down because he's definitely the big, you know, the big crime boss. He's definitely done some things and he's murdered cops. That is plain and simple. And it's just kind of one of those things that when you get into 80s cartoons a lot of times these shows are they're big toy advertisements and let's face it we've seen some shows mask is kind of a good example where it's sort of just scene 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 same generic plot every episode go buy some toys and really when they get something right these cartoons are fantastic. I think Big Boss is kind of one of those things where, it, yes, there is some annoying things like his voice. It's just that, ah, see, yeah, ah, I'm just going to have a generic uh, crime voice. Yeah. Okay, yes, that can get really grating at times. Um, but other than that, like, I think that little detail is really what kind of sets him apart from a number of villains. It's just that little detail of his buttons being cop badges, and you're just like, okay, he's probably killed somebody. So just that little extra air of 
something very subtle adds a whole just depth to a character. I really like that. Uh, now, Big Boss is voiced by Len Carlson, and he's actually had a pretty prolific uh, voice acting career. A uh, number of roles that I'll remember him from is um, the especially some of the stuff in the '90s. He did the he was actually the voice of Swamp Thing for the very short-lived animated series of Swamp. Like when I say short-lived, like this series was maybe like six episodes. Yeah, it got canned really quickly, but it was a very that was a very odd series. Um, now, for those fans of the X Men animated series, you might actually remember him as the voice of Senator Kelly. And when I was kind of looking through IMDb just to kind of figure out, you know, what this guy just like, whoa, whoa, he is Senator Kelly. Like just hearing that in the voice and just kind of remembering what Kelly sounds like, like. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, no, Big Boss from Cops, man. That's the number five pick. Uh, so moving on to our number four pick. Uh, we are heading to the world of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because, of course, we have got to talk about the Shredder. Of course, Oroko Sake, the rival of Splinter and his original master, Hamato Yoshi, uh, Shredder is the main protagonist of the series, and honestly, he's the le- of course he's the leader of the Foot Clan. You know, bringing his martial arts training into it, he's also basically a walking weapon. And there's this dynamic between him and Krang. Um, obviously, the Shredder and Krang don't get along very well, and you can tell they fight all the time. Shredder's like, I really wish I just didn't need you. I really wish I could just go about my evil plans by myself. And honestly, Shredder probably would get away with more of his plans if... Which, of course, you've kind of got to have these balancing things to even out and not make a villain too overpowerful. Of course, Krang has his massive ego... I mean, Shredder, to be fair, has an ego of his own, but, and the budding egos really is what foils a lot of the Shredder's plans, and it also doesn't help that he has two of the, yeah, I mean, they're pretty stupid, but honestly, when you look at some of the other cartoons out there, Bebop and Rocksteady really aren't that stupid when you kind of stop to think about it which is um wow yeah i never really thought of it that way but yeah bebop and rocksteady not the stupidest 80s cartoon henchman we've seen because look at the forces that scarab hires in bionic six those are some dum-dums right there um there are definitely some very dumb villains and uh thugs for hiring cops um big boss's nephew uh berserko that dude is as insane strength compared to his like like his he definitely 
was that a uh, D character that put all of their uh, points into strength and very and nothing into intelligence. Uh, there's also uh, uh, Rock Crusher was kind of a dumb villain too. Yeah, for some reason these guys. I don't know what it is about these 80s villains, but they tend to get a lot of dumb hires. I mean, I guess they're probably not wanting to fork out a lot of budget, or they may not have a lot of budget either is the problem. So that could also factor into that. But for some reason, these villains get really dumb henchmen, and it definitely hinders their plans. Ah, uh, but no. Otherwise, I mean, Shredder would definitely have an advantage on the Turtles. Um, you know, if he could just kind of get away from the idiots, the egos, and just kind of focus, he'd have a better chance. Because it really th makes me think of the movies where it was just Shredder, the Foot Clan, you know, and they were a very strong unit. I think that's one of the things I loved about the the live-action adaptations being, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and then uh, Secret of the Ooze. Those movies were very interesting takes, and I liked that Shredder was a very menacing force in those movies. And the Ninja Turtles cartoon had its moments where Shredder could be very serious but then of course the usually the help the hired help is kind of what would you know be his downfall or eventually his ego and it's sort of one of those things that 80s villains really needed to have was kind of this good sense of balance you know sometimes you need the villains to be very menacing and very scary because you need to have that emotional connection you need to have that drama built in that really helps drive the story and really drives home the ending when the heroes finally conquer them they you know create their you know they finish their task they beat the goal they save the day everything's happy and there's that great contrast to go okay we went from this dark bleak moment to oh here's the happy ending here's what we're looking for and there were times where, where Shredder could definitely do that, but a lot of times there was more comedic edge to it, and he just kind of looked like an idiot. Which, it's like, you know, hey, the good guys gotta win, we gotta sell toys. Uh, but overall, Shredder was a great villain, uh, but of course we've got some more villains to take care of. Uh, but before we get into the... Uh, top part of our list here we'll take a quick commercial break so uh we'll be back in just a moment folks what'll it be uh nothing honey Ooh. just stop by to see me huh sugar kellogg's nothing honey crunch this tastes good it's nothing honey well still good kellogg's nothing honey crunch delicious cereal jensen what is it nothing honey you love the honey you love the nuts when you've got the taste of nuts and honey all wrapped up in a hearty crunch, what more can you say? Hey, Cookie, what's for breakfast? Not honey. Kellogg's not honey. Crunch. I don't intend to grow old gracefully. I intend to fight it every step of the way. I'm going to be 40 and wonderful. 
wonderful with oil of Olay. It fills in for fluid you lose with time, adding fullness where your skin starts to show age, like my first laugh lines, which weren't so funny. Oil of Olay penetrates quickly, plumps them up. Your skin looks softer, younger. I'm not budging. 40 is prime time. I was in Phoenix. I had to give a speech. While I was working on my speech in the hotel room, I started coughing. So I called down and the front desk sent up some cough syrup. Not all cough medicines work the same. This stuff was for kids. They weren't for me. Then I sat down for something stronger and they sent up Vix 44. Today's Formula 44 contains maximum strength dextromethorphan, as effective as codeine, but non-narcotic. That Vix Formula 44 kicked that cough. Formula 44, maximum strength for maximum relief. From Vix. I don't want to cough again, but if I do, I'm taking it. Can you American Express? My daughter and I just had an accident. Do you need a doctor? I think she's got a broken wrist. That was some trip. I'd like to keep this while you're away at school. Sure. I guess nothing for you. It's got my name on it. Just in case. Thank you. Someone who cares when you're far from home. Membership has its privileges. All right, and we are back. And if we move on to our list here, uh, we're moving into the, the number three spot. And uh, this is another one I've really come to enjoy the performance of as we've really explored the series here on this show. Uh, I am talking about Doc Terror from the Centurions. And this guy is... This guy may be one of the most at the same time, one of the smartest villains we've ever seen in a series and one of the most maniacal. Like, this guy has an ego, but this guy is ruthless. And with Doc Terror, he's sort of... There's sort of a weird yin and yang situation going on in this show. Uh, so the Centurions, of course, they have their battle armor that they have a combination of man and machine. They have their interchangeable armors and parts that they can do battle with. Doc Terror is literally half man, half machine. Like, he is a fusion. There is no removing the armor. That armor is a part of him. And also, it is part of his main henchman hacker who might actually be one of the smarter henchmen we've seen on an 80s cartoon a lot of times he can get quite the advantage on the centurions and really cause some chaos i think that's one of the great things about hacker now he is definitely one of the ugliest henchmen we've seen in the 80s series but I mean, just in the couple episodes we've seen, Doc Terror is absolutely ruthless. He is so laser-focused on what his goals are. And the man has no regard for human life at all. If really his agenda is basically taking over the world, and honestly, he doesn't really care if there's no one alive on the world. Like, if it was just him and his... You know, him and Hacker and his daughter, he really wouldn't care if there wasn't another human being on the planet otherwise. And honestly, 
this might make him just one of the scariest villains in an 80s cartoon because he's just portrayed so ruthlessly and it's definitely a great spin because you've definitely got a lot of these villains that are almost played up for comedic effect and you can tell they get put in like dumb situations and you've get villains that get beat and Sometimes they literally get caught with their pants down. But Doc Terror is typically not portrayed that way. This man is scary and powerful and he will mess things up. Like, I mean, one episode that we looked at, he was willing to basically burn the planet to the ground and start over. Um, Another episode, he was basically willing to let nature... You know, he was basically willing to destroy everything with tornadoes and... Oh, man, this guy is insane. Um, And his voice actor was a man by the name of Ron Feinberg. Um, Kind of an underrated actor. I didn't really... This probably was one of his biggest roles. Um, He has connections to other cartoons. He was uh, in the third season of Transformers. He played the Predacon Headstrong. So he was one of the Predacons that formed Predaking. Uh, 90s fans, uh, cartoon fans, if you're familiar with Darkwing Duck, um, you may know the character of Vladimir Grizzlikov. Uh, yep, that was him also. So yeah, definitely some very underrated voice work uh, from Ron Feinberg. Great actor who really brought a great portrayal to the character and just really brought this just psychotic edge to Doc Terror because Doc Terror is just insane is real like he's insane but he's just cognizant of his insanity and just runs with it because every plan he has is just completely grandiose and honestly I'm really enjoying uh, Centurions and getting to rewatch it mostly because of this guy yeah all right so moving on number two on this list and um now i know you're gonna be like randy why are you putting this guy at number two isn't this your favorite cartoon of all time for the most part yes but um like i said my number two pick i know it it was definitely gonna be up here and i know you guys are gonna question like well why why is this number one but i'll get into that like I said, it was definitely a hard choice between number uh, between numbers one and two here. But for my number two pick, I am going with Megatron from the Transformers. And Megatron is an amazing character. Definitely one of the strongest picks for a top 80s villain. And I've seen lists where people put him at number one. And... You know, there's so many things about Megatron. He is smart. He is a master tactician. And he has to be for as long as he's been the Decepticon leader in a civil war that's lasted millions of years. And Megatron has been the Decepticon leader for so much of it. He has to be a military genius. And there are a number of accomplishments megatron has uh probably his biggest one is that 
when it comes to the dynamic between him and his main protagonist, Optimus Prime, Megatron actually kills Optimus Prime. He's probably the guy who's accomplished what so many 80s villains want to do. He's He killed his main hero opponent. Like He killed Optimus Prime in Transformers the movie. He inflicted those injuries that caused him that caused Optimus to die. So yes, Megatron de def definitely has points for that. He's cool under pressure. He sees Starscream's treachery a mile away. He's always thinking one step ahead, and that's sort of Megatron's defining factor is just his coolness. His grace under pressure, if you will. And it's really a stark contrast to how Galvatron is portrayed. Of course, uh, Megatron is reformatted into Galvatron by Unicron. And in the Transformers the movie, there is a bit of a... Definitely an upgrade factor. You can tell Galvatron is very smart. He has a lot of those qualities... But once he loses Tyronimus Prime, gets chucked in that plasma planet, he's insane. Unfortunately, all of the great parts that make up Megatron and why he's such a great villain are a little bit lost on Galvatron. He's very unfocused. Um, sometimes the... Um, definitely in the... Because really, there's a lot of times where Rodimus, or I'm sorry, Galvatron doesn't focus on Rodimus Prime much as, as much as he focuses on Ultra Magnus. There's a lot of times in battle where he'll face Ultra Magnus over Rodimus Prime, which is a very odd thing to kind of want to go after him. Um, but I guess there is a little bit of precedent in it. In Transformers, a movie, of course, before Hot Rod became Rodimus, Ultra Magnus had assumed command of the Autobot forces after being handed the Matrix by Optimus Prime. Uh, but that definitely followed, factored into just some of the things that really differentiated Galvatron from Megatron. And, of course, there's the episode Web World that really dives into the just psychological damage that Galvatron has compared to Megatron. But really, that's sort of the thing that really knocked um, you know, Galvatron just such a different form. I mean, you know he's got the, the ability is there, the knowledge is there, but Megatron, Megatron is just so cool. And it's kind of funny, In there's so many things, like just the fact that his toy, his G1 toy is more or less banned in the U.S. Um, of course, the original Megatron transformed into a gun, whereas modern interpretations will have him as a tank for somewhat, hopefully, obvious legal reasons. Because I believe back in the 80s, there actually were cases where uh, kids got into some trouble because, you know, law enforcement thought Megatron, the gun mode, was an actual gun. And I get it. 
you know, from a distance, it's hard to tell. Um, that's sort of one of the reasons why we have the orange tips on the on our plastic weapons nowadays. It's sort of that, and that there was some other case, but I think Megatron was kind of one of the big reasons for it. Um, so that's another great point in Megatron's favor is just this pop culture identity. And of course, his con his conflict with Optimus Prime was amazing. Because Optimus Prime is a great leader, and to have a really equally great opponent in Megatron is just something that is really a perfect combination. These guys fed off of each other. They're one-liners against each other. Just that constant back and forth of, you know, the Autobots are able to foil Megatron's plan, but Megatron has enough of the wherewithal to have a getaway. So it's just something that really sticks to me. And even in the performances, whether you're talking about Megatron or later Galvatron, um, after Leonard Nimoy played Galvatron in the movie, Frank Welker, who played Megatron, and basically half of the Decepticon cast in that show took over, and he gave two absolutely different performances. Um, you know, he had two different voices for it. Uh, Frank Welker is a hell of a voice actor. Just, oh, dude, he is definitely kind of his, his the 80s version of Mel Blanc. Um, for those who don't know, Mel Blanc was the kind of the original voice of many of the Looney Tunes characters. Uh, a lot of times he was just, a lot of times he was the only one providing voices for any of them. Frank Welker seems to be that guy who appears in so many things. I mean, he's uh, he's been Freddie Jones for most... Uh, was it Fred? Yeah, Fred Jones in Scooby-Doo. Like, he's played him, like, almost since the beginning. Like, he's the main... He has been the main voice actor for that. I mean, look up so many different cartoons man he is in so like especially in the 80s and 90s dude just look up frank welker like his imdb page is just like you will literally spend hours on his pages going he's that he's that because he does voice work he does well he does voices but he, he human voices animal noises voices like i believe he has a credit in Aladdin as Abu. And, you know, Abu is just monkey noises. But Frank Welker is very good at doing animal noises as well. So he, so if there's an animal role, it's probably credited as Frank Welker. Um, but overall, no, Megatron is a great villain. Number two on the list. And, um... So before we get into the number one, uh, I do want to take a quick commercial break, so uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Right now, Domino's Pizza is dealing, and you're going to be a winner. Two regular cheese pizzas are $8.88. Pay just a little more for the toppings of your choice, and you've got one great deal. 
your pizzas will be hot and fresh from the oven because Domino's Pizza delivers in less than 30 minutes. So discard this joker and be a winner. Get two regular cheese pizzas for $8.88. But don't miss out. This deal ends soon. Call Domino's Pizza now. I almost dreaded Jenny's first birthday party. Six squeaky clean kids were coming, and their moms. The house had to be spotless. Out with the Pine Sol. Pine Sol liquid cleans. Disinfects. Deodorizes. People can tell you clean with Pine Sol. Wonderful. Mmm, smells so fresh. Oh, so clean. And when those moms let their kids crawl on my kitchen floor, I really felt glad for Jenny and for Pine Sol. Pine Sol, because you care about clean. My brother thinks he's bought the perfect TV. Sure did. Perfect, perfect TV. Oh, yeah? Perfect. Does it have a flat square picture, too? Yep. High-resolution yep. filter? Yep. 178-channel capability? Roger. Four-speaker stereo system? Yep, right On-screen graphics? Yep. A remote that controls this TV, wireless cable, and VCR, yep. even if they're different brands. Hey, I got a Magnavox. Smart, Tom. Very smart. Yeah, I know. Acting dumb is just my job. Hmm. Doing a great job. Mom's gonna kill me. I didn't clean the dishes for my pasta party. No swag, no biggie. That'll even shine. My pasta? We're cruising, Susan. Cause Lemon Fresh Joy gets dishes so clean they shine. NBC Sunday Night at the Movies will be back following these messages. Monday, it's your favorite soap stars and a Hollywood salute to the best in daytime and primetime serials as chosen by you, the viewers. Hosted by Marcy Walker and A. Martinez, Susan Lucci, Jeannie Francis and Greg Hogeston, Michelle Lee, Carol Burnett and more. Don't miss the 1988 Soap Opera Awards, Monday following Another World. All right, and we are back. And we're almost to the number one spot on our list, folks, but I didn't want to go ahead and take a, a moment just to mention a couple of honorable mentions that didn't quite make the list but still very good um definitely be some if we did a top 10 they'd be in some of these spots here uh quick shout out to lotor from voltron this guy definitely some layers of depth to him he's the dude's got some issues obviously he wants to be approved by his father wants to prove that he is just can be just as good as king as he is um dude is like a pimp dude like we see him in like a number of scenes like he's got like these he's like in hot tubs with like alien women and but he and for some reason like he wants the princess like he's just like this player he's definitely got some crazy vibes off of him uh uh, and a lot of anime from the 80s that got ported over, uh, there's definitely more character development because we see definitely a lot of different character things from those shows. Uh, also want to mention Skeletor. I will defeat you, He-Man. Uh, Skeletor, man, just uh, such an iconic 80s villain. He's just insane. Uh, the comedic performance of uh, Alan Oppenheimer as Skeletor, just amazing, dude. Of course, the foil to He-Man. And He-Man's a pretty good series, but honestly, so much of the comedic elements of it, so much of what makes the show funny and memorable is Skeletor. He really, 
adds so much and it's such a memorable villain um and of course claw from uh inspector gadget uh also voiced by frank welker um if you'll and if you listen carefully you will hear frank's welker's sound wave voice before it got you know before it gets run through the digitizer to become sound wave of course uh dr claw is pretty memorable for a villain because we only ever see his hands like we never see his face we only see the hands he you know we see the wild gestures and we see him petting the cat so that's definitely something if you can be memorable for just a voice and hands uh but yeah let's get into our number one pick and it might be a little obvious at this point you may have guessed it but i think for me personally my number one 80s cartoon villain has got to be the cobra commander man this guy is egocentric he's just bombastic ostentatious the guy is just ego turned up to 11 you know has a terrorist organization bent on world conquest names it after a deadly animal in the cobra and then everything has to be snake themed his troops are called vipers his temples are shaped like giant cobras and snakes and snake weapons. Uh, he's got that big aircraft, fl- flying aircraft carrier that's got like the front of it looks like the head of a snake. This man is kind of the epitome of 80s terrorism and greed. Like, if you think Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the Ferengi, they are led by uh, their spiritual financial leaders called the Grand Nagus. Basically, is the epitome of greed. You know, gold-covered toilets. You know, palaces that would put the, you know, the Taj Mahal, the, the castles in England, put those all to shame. Cobra Commander is the epitome of 80s greed and just so often like even when um in just so many forms of media cobra commander can be portrayed as such a cold reckless villain especially the newer ones uh gi joe resolute was dude this was that was a cutthroat cobra commander who literally killed an underling to make an example but the of course the original cobra commander had his serious side he had his but he had just this comedic moments and oh uh, there were so many fun things about cobra commander i remember oh there was an episode where just he was chastising one of the main cobra agents it might have been dr mindbender and he just said you know his dr mindbender just kept messing up one of his experiments he's just like this is deader than your experiment is now deader than disco. I was like, oh my gosh. And it was just the timing of it, the delivery was so funny. But also when he said that line, he's like, eh, deader than disco. 
I could have made a great stand-up comedian. So that line is actually a little nod to his voice actor. Uh, so the voice actor, Chris Latta, uh, who also remember as Starscream for the Transformers, was actually a stand-up comic at the time and was getting a lot of voice work. Um, there are clips of him on, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, you'll, he went under the stage name Christopher Collins. He did a, as, in live act, he did a lot of comedy work, stand-up comedy. Um, he actually was featured on a couple of episodes of Married with Children. Uh, he was one of Al Bundy's neighbors in his No Ma'am organization. I know I found clips of that. There's just so many great things. Like, and Chris Latta was definitely an underrated voice actor because he's had a number of voices. Although, from what I can tell, looking at the live action clips, his voice his, seems to be most re closely related to the voice he does for Wheeljack on the Transformers. Yeah, that's kind of funny. If yeah, so he does Starscream and Wheeljack. Two very different voices, but great performances nonetheless. Um, in G.I. Joe, not only does he play Cobra Commander, he plays the Dreadnought Ripper. He also plays Gung Ho. And just think of how different all those voices are. Chris Lata is, I really think, an underrated actor. Uh, definitely someone who is very underrated in the voice. But... Just his acting ability, his range, and just kind of watching his stand-up comedy, I'm like, okay, he's got this great timing. And really, when you do comedy and stand-up like that, that's a lot of where you get the laugh is not, I mean, you get a lot of laugh from the material itself, but how you say things, how you deliver, you know, how you get your point across is really how it's going to get, if the joke's going to get a laugh or not. And I really think Chris Latta has, is someone who just, wow. Um, I know, unfortunately, in these times of reboots and upgrades and reimaginings, I know a lot of these guys have come back, guys like uh, Frank Welker coming back to voice Megatron, Corey Burton revoicing Shockwave, a number of these actors. Uh, unfortunately, a couple years, early 90s, Chris Latta unfortunately did pass away. And it's definitely very sad. I really think his career got cut off way too soon. Because honestly, really just when you kind of go into a show like I'm doing here, kind of analyzing things and you're putting pieces together and researching IMDb and you get to be an adult and you realize you hear person, you hear traits of a voice actor and you go, wait, is that who I think it is? And you, like I said, you go to IMDb and you realize, yes, they played this, you know, these guys played the same roles, these different roles. Oh man. And I think all of that, just that little nuance and, it so comes off in, in Cobra Commander. Because uh, I was actually just re-watching the episode Arise, Serpentor, Arise. And it got to the end where it ended up being Cobra Commander that saved 
uh, Serpentor from kind of an embarrassing loss as they were retreating. And he just delivers these lines about, you know, he's trying to convince Serpentor to, to take him with him. Serpentor's like, no, you can stay here and get captured. And he's like, no, you need me. What will you do when, when the troops realize you're not as great as you think, as you believe you are? You need a scapegoat. And he just delivered it in such a, a way that you're like, it was like, yes, no, you need a scapegoat. Take this man with you. And it's just, oh. And like every episode Cobra Commander's in, he just has this great stage appearance. And it's definitely just the powerful acting ability of Chris Latta to really make these characters he portrays come to life and be so over the top. And really that's what you need for a great 80s villain is that over the top ability just to be just bombastic larger than life and for me all of these little things between just how cobra commander is written on screen and presented the voice acting for me he's the one that stands out as number one and that's why he's my number one pick uh but yeah that'll do it uh so this has been the totally radical cartoon podcast check us out at geekworder.com facebook.com uh geek world order totally radical cartoon podcast twitter and instagram both at geek world order check us out on all of the major podcast provider outlets apple google spotify stitcher uh just check them all out and uh we'll see another master stroke mind bender you put my elite vipers through the ringer, the twins got creamed, and most importantly, you lost Sun Tzu's DNA, which was supposed to be of vital significance. As of now, your little experiment is deader than disco! Come, Scrap Iron. <laughs> deader than disco, I like that. I could have been a great stand-up comedian. <laughs>